Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. You know, we've been talking about economics and generosity for the last few weeks. I'm going to close up the series today, and we're going to ask ourselves the question, am I generous? Yeah, I like it. It's a question, an honest question. You know, most people feel that they're pretty generous, right? When we judge other people, we go, well, they're not generous. But when we think of ourselves, we're like, well, I'm pretty well generous, right? So we've been asking ourselves questions over the last few weeks about the idea of generosity, God's perspective of how we're called to use the resources that we have from an economic responsibility. And we want to honor God in all sides of our lives. And money is a big part of our life. We, we know that to be true. And so for us as a church to not talk about it would be silly because we all think about it all the time and God has something to say about the management of our resources so we've been doing that for a good period of time and we're going to be closing that out today and hopefully my heart is that you're catching the principle of God's perspective of how we're called to use our resources financial resources and receive the blessing of God's um, blessing on our life and how we use them and so I hope that's been a blessing for you so I want to start with today a a kind of an our responsibility uh, scripture in first Timothy chapter 6 and it says, says this, Paul is talking to Timothy and giving charge over uh, the group of people that he's kind of being an overseer over. And he says, command those who are rich. Now, how many of you know, as soon as we say command those who are rich, none of us go, I'm not that person, right? We always think that the rich person is somebody else that's richer than we are. Like, we don't rarely consider ourselves rich. We don't see ourselves. But I just want you to know, a heads up, a kind of a flashing light. You know, if you live in America, how many of you live in America? All right. Kind of pretty big group of us live in America. You are in the top 10% wealthiest people in the world if you live in America. So if we were to qualify, I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm not the one percenter. I know there's only one percent of the one percenters. But we don't want to think and consider ourselves as those people that have been blessed so much that we would be considered rich. I want you to know to the rest of the world, you as an American citizen living in a general state of economy are a wealthy person compared to the rest of the world. The average monthly income of people around the world, excuse me, average yearly income of people around the world, yearly income is $2,100. How many of you think you're rich? (laughs) Right? When you think about that, the idea, the context of it, so when Paul is communicating to Timothy, for us, I think it needs to be a personal revelation that as poor as we think we are, we really are one of the most blessed and, 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 and profitable and bountiful nation in the world. He says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust, everybody say trust, trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Notice the contrast, two views. You can trust money or you can trust God, it's not one or the other. It's either going to trust one or you're going to trust the other. The choice is yours. You have free to choose which one you want to choose. Obviously, we're in church. My encouragement is going to be, I want you to trust God. Trust in uncertain riches, but in living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. I want you to know that God gives you things so that you can do what? To enjoy them. God is not trying to be a killjoy in your life and saying, I'm trying to get something from you. I believe this, that God is constantly trying to bring things to our lives, benefits and blessings, so that we really know how to enjoy life. And one of the contexts that he invites us to learn how to live in enjoyment is the way we manage or the way we view money in our own hands. 
So God gives us it all for us to enjoy. Um, in, in verse 18, he says, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Notice what he says, storing up for themselves a good foundation for when? A time to Come, you know, when we obey God in the area of our economic resource on the earth, we are sowing seeds of a good foundation for our future. He even goes on to say this, that they might lay hold of eternal life. Everything that we do in honor to God when it comes to our economics has a a longer term view than just what you do in the present world and what you receive in this present world. So as we've been talking about this, and again, we ask the question, am I generous? Am am I a generous soul? Is the way I manage my life um, one driven by generosity? Well, we're going to use a story um, in John chapter 12. If you want to turn there, you can. and flip it on your phones. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. This is a story of of Lazarus. Lazarus has been risen from the dead. Jesus is going back to his house with his sister, two sisters, Mary and Martha, and he has an encounter with them in verse number 12. And John, uh, John 12, verse 1 says this, Then six days... Before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been, had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil in spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil." But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box, and he used to take it, take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Lord, bless your scripture. Bless the word. Let it come forth as fruitfulness within our souls. Let us receive, Lord, uh, the principles of truth you want us to see today. And Lord, engage in seeing from your perspective. We give you thanks for that in the name of Jesus. So what we see in the scripture is a display of two hearts. Right? There's two hearts that are revealed to us in this, in this story. You know, the, here's a question we're going to ask ourselves. Why? In in Mary's action, why did she value, why did she give such a valuable gift? Like what made her give what she gave, right? What the nature of that, what was the the driving factor behind her giving such a beautiful gift? And the second question is, why did it bother Judas so much? Like why was he troubled at her own generosity toward Jesus like he he struggled and had trouble and so we're gonna we're gonna discover some things that I think for all of us that will help help us on our own self uh, discovery journey because the enemy the enemy of generosity is selfishness it's hard to be self it's hard to be generous if you want what you're supposed to give away Right? It's hard. As a matter of fact, when you want something worse than you're willing to give it away, you actually won't give it away. And if you do give it away, what kind of attitude do you got? Right? Bad attitude. You're like, you gave it out of a bad heart and a bad attitude, and, and you actually didn't even give it in the right perspective. You know, we find this in our, in our human history. We, we realize that humans are selfish by nature. Right? You know, when you hear in the back room a, a, a kid go, Mine! Mine! And if you've got two kids, you know what that means, right? 
There's a fight going on, and someone is declaring something to be theirs. They're crying out, mine, and I want it, which is a revelation of the nature of our humanity. I remember we went out to lunch one time and went to McDonald's, and we were, you know, the boys were, were eating McDonald's. We'd got them, you know, fries and a drink and a Coke, and, and I don't know if I'd eaten my food or what, what, I, what I can't remember exactly what my situation was, but I was like, wow, I, I feel like a fry. So I reached over to my, one of my son's fries, and I grabbed one of the fries, and began to eat. he said, hey, don't touch my fries. I was like, those are your fries. Right? His, I, I had just gone up to the counter, took out my wallet, paid for the money, and brought him. He didn't go get it. I brought it to him. Right? He was waiting for me to bring him food so that he wouldn't die. And I want one fry. And in his nature, he goes, mine! Why? Because it's our human nature. That's, that's, we fight against this in our whole lives. And again, you won't ever stop fighting against the old nature. I'm seasoned in the Lord for a long time, and there are times the Lord invites me to do things, and I go, mine! He's like, hmm? This is something that we as individuals, and it holds us back from living generous lives. You know the happiest people are? The generous people. They're happy people. Their generosity is, is, is expressed because of their joy and their happiness, and they find more happiness in their ability to give. Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why? It's this nature of the, the very dynamic of God. So we see we have in this passage, and this goes back to our own money, you know, we have a couple things when we think about our resources. We can either give God what is due him or we can not give God what is due him. And if we don't, probably in our soul we're saying what? Say it with me, come on. Mine. Right? This is mine. I, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. And again, we we're going to read a little bit more about Judas. You know, Judas wasn't so concerned about the, the, the poor, was he? He, he? he really wanted the money because he was taking care of the money box. The issue wasn't about what she did, whether it was for the poor or not for the poor. It was really about what he was going to get of his own accord. This is our human nature expressed. We see this attitude, this heart in Judas so clearly. This mode of where he's, he's at. You know, Judas, it seems like what Judas says, oh, well, why, should, why would she do such a thing like that? She should have given it to the poor. How many of us have said that? You drive by someone who's very wealthy or you're like, man, they should, that's just too much for somebody. They ought to, they ought to, they ought to, they ought to just downsize and give it to the poor. How have you ever thought that? Come on, honestly. You ever thought about that, right? We've all said it at some point in time, and the question falls right back to us. Well, if you believe that about them, why don't you sell your house and downsize and give it to the poor? Because it really isn't about the idea of them or us. It's really our own attitude being expressed that they ought to do more, not I ought to do more. Again, it's a revelation of the what? Of the heart. God is always dealing with this, particularly in the area of our finances. He's dealing with this idea of, of our heart. We have to stop pointing to other people's extravagance to cover up our own selfishness. It's easy when we go, well, they ought to, instead of, Lord, what do you ask and what are you inviting me to do? It's our own responsibility in life. Um, 
you know, here's a question. If, you know, we don't pass the offering plate here. We don't do a box or anything. We have boxes in the back. And for those of you that don't know you're new, there's boxes in the back. If you want to give, there's an envelope in front of you. Fill it out and put it in the box in the back. Or there's kiosks outside. We don't pass the box. We don't, on Sundays, we're not going. And how many of you have ever been to the church with like, would you please give this Sunday? We need you to give. And there's a sermon, a compelling sermon, so that we can pass the box. Just so you know, we're not passing any boxes today. We're not passing out money. As a matter of fact, you're going to be surprised with what we're going to do today. The idea is this act of generosity, when the call to give and share our lives. How many of you, if we did pass a plate, how many of you would feel bad if the plate went by you and you're like, How many of you would steal something from the plate? Like, all of us would go, crazy, I wouldn't steal from the plate. That would be terrible. Like, we wouldn't, you know, we, you know it tells us about Judas. You know, Ju- Jesus put Judas in charge of the money. Think about it. Who, who put G- who, Jesus was in charge of the gang of 12, and he gave Judas the responsibility of the money. It, it really was a test for Judas, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But, you know, Judas wanted money in the pot so that he could what? Take from the pot. We go, how audacious. Do you realize when, when we say mine, there's only one thing that God in the scripture says is mine in particular as it relates to our finances? You know what he calls mine? The tithe. He says, the tenth of what I bless you with is mine. It's holy to the Lord. I'm asking you to make sure that you keep what is holy, holy, and, and let me possess it. And I know we would never think about taking money out of the offering plate, but if we keep what belongs in the offering plate, what is the difference? It's a challenging question of our soul. And again, you say, Bill, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to get you to live a blessed life. I want you to know I've practiced the model and conversation of what I'm telling you. I've lived it my whole life. In my life, I've given away cars. I've, I've given away tons of money. I've, I've shared my, when people were in trouble, I've opened my house up, and I, I even moved out of my house to let someone live in my house so that they could be taken care of. We've, we've cleaned our savings account multiple times. When something was going on, we're like, well, where are we going to get it? What are we going to do? I even closed one of my, my, my retirement accounts. I said, well, the only place we got money is in there, and closed it out and said, let's give it. I, I say to you, I'm not saying that, well, pat, pat me on the back. I, I'm saying that when you operate in this nature of living a blessed life, giving isn't an issue, and you get the joy of what giving looks like as a part of your soul because generous people are happy people. Because God blesses. We see the exact opposite here, heart of Judas. He had this selfishness as a part of the way he lived his life. You know, Judas got in play because Jesus picked him to do what he said. In, in John 6, he said, Jesus answered him speaking, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And one of you, he knew he was a thief when he brought him in. He said, One of you is a devil. This was a year before uh, he ever betrayed him. He said, One of you's got problems. How many of you can relate to Judas? We got problems, don't we? We need God examining our hearts and our souls and giving us wisdom and guidance on how we're supposed to go. Here's the thing about what God positions all of us. Giving, God gives us opportunity to grow in our areas of weakness. He provides us, like he, he put a test in, 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 in Judas's life. He said, hey, listen, you're going to run the money. You got, you're going to be on the test. What are you going to do with it? We all have a similar test that we take before God as it relates to our finances, What are we going to do with the resources that we have? You say, well, man, why would God do that? Listen, God is not going to tempt you beyond what you can handle. 
He says this in, in James. It says, let no one say he is tempted. I am tempted of God. God's not tempting you. He might be testing you and preparing you for a better future. But don't say that God is tempting you. 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has overtaken you, which is except as common to man, but God is faithful. He will allow you not to be tempted beyond what you're able. In other words, God's going to give you what you need to overcome the temptation. And maybe some of you, this topic is one that you find yourself falling under great temptation not to honor. I want you to know that God gives you the resource that you need to overcome and enjoy the blessed life the way that God designs it to be, which is living a life of generosity and blessing to others. And remember, giving is always an issue of what? It's always an issue of the heart. Like some of you, maybe when I started talking about money, your heart went, talking about money again. I want you to know that's not my issue. I'm called to talk about the scriptures, teach the scriptures, all the scriptures, and when I talk about money, it's a part of the scriptures. And if you have an agitation, I want you to know that God's wanting to remove the agitation so that if money's ever talked about it, and again, we're not trying to get money out of you. We're not beating you the sheep and saying, give more. I want you to give as God leads you to give. I want you to find joy in giving. I don't want you to be compelled or, or demanded to give. I want you to go, I can't wait for the next opportunity to be a blessing in the kingdom. It changes the context of everything. God is at work within us in this mindset. You know, there's, a, there's a, a challenge that we find in Scripture. I'm going to read the Scripture kind of quickly through it because uh, I want to hit something about it. Money is amoral. Like, money on the table is amoral, right? If I have a piece of money on here and I just put it down, it's, there's, there's nothing, no, nothing good or bad about it. It's just a, it's a resource, right? But when I put it into my hand, it now becomes spiritual. As soon as I possess it, it either has the spirit of God on it and the design to bless and to use in accordance with scripture or it has the spirit of mammon on it which is about the mind concept. Let me, let me just share the scripture that Jesus spoke in Luke 16 that he tells a parable in verse number one. He says, he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him in and said to him, what is this I hear about you Give an account of your stewardship for, no, for you can no longer be steward. It basically, basically says, hey, listen, well, I'm checking on what you're doing, but I've blessed you with. I've heard that you're not doing it right. And goes through a few scriptures that talks about this man's response. But in verse number 10, he kind of brings it all together. He says this in verse number 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. I remember, you know, if you've ever been in this position, I remember when I first was young and got money, I started giving a tenth of what I earned young. And some people say, well, I would give a tithe if I just made more. I'll start when I have more. I want you to know that Jesus says, listen, your heart is exposed. If you won't do it now, when you get more, you're going to have the same heart problem. Right? The issue is not the amount. The issue is the context of the heart. Verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust in true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, we can say, or God's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon, and again, this is a spiritual context, and what is mammon? It's when it's, it's possessed items, right? 
Money to itself is nothing until it's in our hand. And it either is God's or it's mammon's. He goes on to say this. Um, verse 14, he's dealing with the Pharisees in this. Now the Pharisees were, notice what it says, lovers of money. Right? The Bible speaks, money's not bad. If you love money, it's when it becomes bad. Why? Because a spiritual issue takes place. The, the root of all evil, the scripture says, is the love of money, the spirit of mammon that basically, and here's the context of mammon. Mammon basically says, and it comes from, they, they, they worshiped a god called mammon, and when they would, uh, it, it was kind of the god of riches, who mammon was, this god of riches. And the context was, if you give to the god of riches, all of your needs will be taken care of. The context is this, is money can take care of all your problems. As long as you get more money, then things are going to be fine with you. And there's the lie. It'll provide security. It'll provide encouragement. It'll provide all the things you need, need. And guess what? That aspect is simply not true. Money is a lie if you believe at the end of getting all the money that you need that your life is going to be perfect. And yet so many of us listen to the spirit of mammon when it comes to the stuff that we hold within our hands. And God says, listen, I don't want that to be true about you. I want you to learn to live a life of faithfulness and generosity. Verse 15, and he said to them, you are, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows the hearts. And guess what he's been dealing with us over the last few weeks? He's been dealing with what? Our heart. No one's trying to get something from you. God's trying to get something to you. It's a heart that is after him in such a way that it doesn't matter what God asks you. I remember when Don and I were, I think we had a building fund, building program we were putting in, and we're like, man, we don't have any, hardly any resources. What are we going to do? And it was like, well, babe, I think the Lord wants us to give our, our, our retirement away. And it was like, Right, that, 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 that edge to do that. And it was like, you know what? God blessed us with this. God's taking care of us in this, and he'll take care of us no matter what. Let's just do it. Let's just honor the Lord. Uh, Robert Morris tells the story of one of, one of the guys in his, his church that was um, a very successful businessman, owned a business, and he paid all of his, his house was paid off, everything was paid off, and he'd got to the end of the day, and, and he's looking at his bank account and his savings checking account. He's got lots of money in. And he's like, wow, I'm doing pretty good. And he says, I wonder how much cash I have in all my accounts. So he went and he checked his checking account, checked his savings account. Then he checked his, his, his uh, 401k account and then one, one other four accounts he went and checked. And he added all the cash that he had. He went to bed going, man, I am doing pretty good. The next day he wakes up, he's having his quiet time. And the Lord said, how much money do you have? <laughs> like in my wallet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe you mean my checking account the Lord's saying how much money do you have he's like like in my checking and savings and he knew what the Lord was saying he's like the Lord was saying you just counted it how much is it and he's, and he, and he's like okay Lord yeah this is how much money I have and he says will you give it to me and we're talking a lot of money all of his money. And he said, and at that time he was given 40% of his income, maybe 50% of his income at that time he was sowing into the kingdom. He's that blessed. And uh, he said, okay, Lord, yeah, I'll give it to you. I trust you that much. And he gave all of his money away in that one single swoop. 
And a year later, the Lord, a year and, and a few months later, because toward the end of the year when the Lord asked him to do that, the Lord said, I want you to go back and check your accounts. And every account that he had had twice as much money as he had when he'd given it away a year and a half earlier. Why? Because God was testing him in the mode where he is. And again, I'm not asking anybody, let me recount this. I'm not asking anybody here to give, uh, give, to give all your money. I, I'm asking, all, all I'm saying in the testimony of that is, is that we have to be willing to be obedient to God no matter what. Because knowing this, when God invites us to something spectacular, it requires sometimes spectacular faith to respond to him. This is a beauty of the picture of living in generosity. You know, mammon is prideful, arrogant, says I don't need God. It promises you everything and at the end it gives you Nothing. So we see this, that generosity in itself is selfish, right? That's the nature of it. Let's learn something else about generosity, the extravagance of generosity, what God can do in us when we share our resources. Now, you might not know this, but, you know, Mary in this passage of Scripture gave an extravagant gift. It was 300 denarii, and if you don't know what a denarii was at the time, it's, it's actually the plural of denara, and it, it's 300 denarii was basically one denarii was about a lay a day's labor so when she gave 300 denarii it was almost a year's worth of wages that she gave and when i say gave she didn't really give it did she she broke an alabaster jar of a year's worth of wages and rubbed it on jesus feet and wiped with her hair on Jesus feet now you might not know this but it was common in the jewish culture when someone died that they would they would anoint them with oil before they buried them. They didn't have the opportunity when Jesus died on the cross to anoint him with oil. If you remember, when, when, when Mary was coming back on the Sunday to come to, to, to see if Jesus was in the tomb, she had 100 pounds of oil because they were going to do it after he had died. They were going to go back and after the Sabbath go back and anoint him. So he never did get anointed except he did, didn't he? He got anointed by Mary at that house with her hair on his feet. And he even said it, this is for my burial. Her gift was so powerful and so beautiful, Jesus went on to say, you're going to remember this woman. Uh, I'll talk about that in, in the closing. Closing number one. I know some of you are saying, how many does he get today? She gave an extravagant gift. When we study scripture, we find some people that did extravagant gifts. David, if he was to give money today, his, his gifts that he gave toward the, the, the building of the temple, toward the kingdom of God, would be $25 billion worth of resources. Like he was an extravagant giver. His son Solomon was an extravagant giver. But a significant person that was an extravagant giver in the, in the scriptures was the woman with the might, the, the woman with the two mites, a widow. Jesus was at the temple, and he was watching people in their giving. I said Jesus was at the temple, and he was watching people with their giving. I said, Jesus was at the temple, and he was watching people what they were given. And a widow came, and she gave two mites. And you know what Jesus said about her? That woman has given more than everyone. Now, do you think it was physical more than everyone? No. It was her sacrifice. It was her heart that said, God, I am giving you everything. Jesus acknowledged that two might like the 25 billion that David gave. Jesus gave the acclaim to the widow and said, like David, so is this widow with two mites. It's a powerful thought, isn't it? That we have the ability to be extravagantly generous before the Lord with our own lives if our heart is in the right place. You know, most Christians, there's three different types of giving in the scriptures. There is tithe. What does tithe mean? A tenth. 
There is offerings, which is over and above your tithe. You give your tithe, that goes into the storehouse of God. That's where God says, listen, I need to do things on the kingdom, on the earth. This is the place that you give it. But I want you to give offerings. And you give offerings lots of different places. You can give offerings to church. You can give offerings to 501c3 ministries. You can give offerings lots of different places. That's another way that we give. And then there is the extravagant offerings. People that just say, we have someone in our church that is an extravagant giver. I mean, uh, she, she can't help it. She looks for ways to sow seed and to bless, and she's, she gives lots of money. And she's looking for ways to give money. She wants to live. She lives probably on maybe 40 or 50% of her income. She just can't. She just wants to give money away. She's an extravagant giver, and she enjoys the privilege and blessing of giving. She's smiling all the time because of the blessing that she can be. But God wants us all to have a sense of the opportunity. I remember Dawn and I were traveling on the road. We were doing ministry on the road at the time. And the Lord had challenged us to do something that, you know, we were, we were in the service, actually, and, and there was an opportunity to give an offering. And I think maybe at that time we'd given a couple hundred dollars in offering. You know, we'd, we were making, you know, next to nothing back in those days, traveling on the road, hardly any resources left over. And we were at this conference. We had just actually, that month, we'd paid all of our bills off. Now, we weren't debt-free, but we'd paid all of our bills off, and we had excess of $1,000 in the bank. We were so happy. We're like, We're wealthy. We got, we've paid everything, and we've got $1,000. This is back in the, in the, in the uh, 90s. I know for some of you, that's no big deal. You're thinking, we didn't have anything for a long time. And I remember we were finally, we were finally at a place where we had cash in the bank and feeling pretty big on ourselves. And I know it was only 1000 For some of you, that's like, what, what's the big deal? It was a big deal for us. And we're at the service, and someone is speaking and communicating, and something is said, and my wife says, you know what? She, the Lord is speaking. She feels like the Lord wants us to give $1,000. Because we finally have $1,000 to give. We've never had an opportunity to give 1000 cash because we couldn't do it before. Never had it. We go to the service, and, and, and she's sitting there praying. She's like, oh, there is no way that Billy is going to want to give $1,000. He thinks these people are flaky anyway. He ain't going to do that at all. <laughs> and I'm sitting next to her. She doesn't know this, but I'm sitting there. And at the same time, the Lord is telling her to give $1,000. The Lord is speaking to me. I want you to give $1,000. And so um, I lean over to her and I say, hon, I think, I, think, I think the Lord wants us to give $1,000. And her eyes get really big. She's like, oh, I think we're supposed to do the same thing. So for the first time ever, we write a check in offering that has a thousand after it. I want you to know when I wrote that check for the first time ever going. Thousand. I'm, we're giving up over a thousand dollars to God in one lump sum because we have the cash in our bank. And we gave it with joy. We felt like it was a, a breakthrough moment for us. And when we gave it away, we began to travel on the road. And everywhere that we went, we traveled before to these churches and ministered in these churches. Every place that we went, our offerings were twice as big as the last time we were there. And we realized that the blessing wasn't the place where we were going. It wasn't about them. It was about something that happened inside of us when we obeyed God, when we did an extravagant offering. It almost broke the bonds of of poverty, broke the bonds of, of mental poverty in our soul and spirit. And we began to see God bless us in ways we'd never seen before. And I can only relate it to the opportunity we took to be extravagant in our giving when God asked. That's the key, isn't it? When God speaks, we listen, and in that obedience is when God says, all right, you are faithful with little. I'm going to bless you with more because you can be trusted with it. I, I, I'm going to 
move on to close number two. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he reminds the, the, the Corinthians that were blessing him, taking care of him. They, they, they sent offerings ahead to take care of where he was at, and he made this statement for them about their life. He says, for I bear witness that according to your ability, yes, beyond your ability, you did more than what you even were able to do. You, you really went out of your way to do something. They were freely willing, in other words, nobody made them, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. In other words, they're saying, we're sending this, and even though you don't think we can handle it, we want you to have it. We want to take care of the people you're going to minister to. We're sending it ahead of time for you. And not only as we had hoped, but they first, notice what it says, they first gave themselves to the Lord. Why were they able to give that gift in the first place? Because first, they had given themselves to the Lord. So what is the reward of us being generous, of doing what God has wanted us to do? Well, I mentioned this earlier. Jesus said this about Mary. It doesn't say it in the passage we read, but in the three other times it's mentioned, all four Gospels talk about Mary and this thing that she did. But in a couple of the other Gospels, they say Jesus says what she has done is going to be held as a memorial, not only for her life, but for generations to come. They're going to talk about what this woman did as an extravagant gift to God and generosity, preparing me for my burial. She is going to be rewarded. So question, why did Mary's gift, uh, excuse me, why did Mary give such a great gift? I'm going to go back to the first one. Why did Mary's gift bother Judas so much? Simple. He was a taker, not a giver. It bothered him when she gave something that he thought he should have access to, even though it didn't belong to him. He was a thief. It bothered him because he didn't have access and couldn't control what was going on with it. He, he needed it and he wanted it. Why did Mary give such a great gift? Because generosity comes with gratitude. Just a few weeks earlier, her brother was dead. <laughs> and Jesus showed up and rose him from the dead. Her heart toward Jesus was like, Jesus, you are unbelievable. Her gratitude led her to generosity. She says, man, this is the least I can do. Lord, if you're asking me to do this spark. Now, she probably didn't even know why she was using that precious jar that she'd been saving for a long period of time. Maybe she said, we're going to use that as an investment. We're going to use it to to go on a trip sometime. She said, but God asked me to go do something that I don't even understand. I'm going to break this oil and put it on his feet. This is what the Lord is inviting me to do, and I'm going to use my hair to wash his feet. And I'm sure she said, that's crazy, but I'm going to do it anyway, not knowing that it was going to be a mode of, of gifting, loving to Christ's preparation for his burial. Jesus analyzed it and looked, but she was grateful because her brother had been risen from the dead. Well, let me remind every one of us, Ephesians 2 says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses (laughs) made us alive do we have something to be thankful for do we have an attitude of gratitude that we can say yeah i can respond to god in this in a beautiful way generosity for us is giving while expecting nothing in return you know selfishness is when you give and you think you're owed something after you give because you're such a good giver God wants us to have our hearts right. I'm going to close with this last motion. I'm only going to do one scripture in closing. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to do something special for you. I, 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 we, we, our heart is that you be blessed. You know, we got a, a, a text from uh, someone. We were, I started talking about, uh, about giving a couple weeks ago. And someone online 
Um, let's see, says, let's see what they say. This is a, they, they, they see my message on tithing. Um, oh, where, is, where does it say? Anyway, Mary wrote it down for me, and I can't see it very good. But the person said, I can't believe, I can't believe that you guys are talking about church. You're just trying to get money. What do you guys even do with the money? And Mary's like, well, I'm glad you asked. And she wrote back and listed all the things that we as a church do, all the things that we find ourselves doing. She listed six, seven, eight, nine, ten things of what we do as a church. It's not for our own selves. It's for, for loving on people. We, we, our church gives away almost 14% of our income on a regular basis to other ministries. 18 now. Man, you guys are, yeah, hallelujah. 18%. What comes into what we have, we don't use it all for ourselves. We find ways to give it. We got missionaries around the world. We serve local communities and local community outreaches that go on on a regular basis. We have, remember if COVID happened, we started Oasis Cares and financially started providing for the needs of people in practical ways right in our own community. People oftentimes will come in our office in desperate need and we have, we're prepared to say, hey, we can help you and this is the way we can do it. We have our beautiful food pantry that takes care of needs of, of hundreds and hundreds of people. As a matter of fact, we just got some new freezers that we're going to start taking care of more and more people that are there. Why? Because we believe this the, the nature of who Christ was. He was generous and we're called to be generous. So I, I want to read this scripture to you and then I'm going to do something that I think is going to be a, a, a mindful thing for all of us because God wants to bless us. We want to bless you so you can be a blessing. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 5 says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand. In other words, I'm sending someone ahead to get you ready to give. How would you like me to come to your house this week and get you ready to give? <laughs> what are you doing, Bill, here? I'm just making sure you're ready to give this weekend. <laughs> How many of you would be offended if I showed up? Some of you would go, well, you get out of my house. What are you at? Paul sent someone ahead of time saying, hey, I'm, Paul's coming. You guys had mentioned you wanted to be a blessing. I'm coming ahead of time to get you ready to do what you want to do. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to be generous? Like there's not a soul here of people that don't want to be generous. We all want to be generous. When someone looks at us, we want people to go, yeah, they're very generous. We don't all live up to the expectation. But we all want to be generous. We all wished and longed that we lived in such a way that generosity was just the outflow of who we were. So Paul is saying, you guys want to be generous. I'm sending someone ahead of time to help you make sure that you live up to what you want. Which you previously promised you said that it may be ready as a matter of generosity in other words i want it to be coming from the nature of generosity and not as a grudging obligation he says i don't want to show up and say hey let me get that money and then we go hey wait a minute what are you asking for he says i'm coming ahead of time reminding you what you said for us to get ready i want you to heart to get in the right place there's a little heads up that we're coming for this because you said you were going to do it and then he says this statement and this whole response is but i say this he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully how many of you catch the concept right you sow more you're going to reap more you sow less you reap less so let each one now this is the teaching of giving so let each one person give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity for god loves a cheerful giver. How many of you want to make God smile? 
you start, start giving with some cheer in your heart. He says, purpose in your heart. Well, how, how do you purpose in your heart anything? <laughs> the Bible says man makes his plans, but God, I mean, man makes his, his direction, but God is the one that has the intention of purpose. God is the one that ultimately wants to design us when it comes to our resources. God wants you to understand the purpose of your resources. And he says, I want you to purpose in your heart. I want you to know why you're doing what you're doing, how you're doing what you're doing, so that you can do it with a good heart and a great attitude because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every good work so that you can do all the things that God wants you to do. You're going to have what you need to get it done. As it is written, he dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, he, his righteousness endures forever. Now he, now may he who supplies seed to the sower, who provides the seed? God. May he who provides seed for the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. He's saying joy in giving, joy in receiving, joy in doing, everybody's going to have joy. Do you realize in America, 95% of Christians don't tithe? 5% tithe. Imagine what the church could do, the kingdom of God could do, if that number doubled or tripled or halfway got there. Man, the ability to do the things that the kingdom should do comes into play. And I'm going to invite you, and I want to say we have a very generous church. Many people are participating in the joy of giving. And again, we don't take up offerings. We teach this principle. I teach it uh, every few years and say, this is what we got to know. This is what we got to think. This is how we got to act. And so when we give and we, we say, let's do it, we're doing it with joy. When you go to the kiosk, when you go to the box, when you, when you send a check in online or you sign on, I want you to do it. Not, don't just do it as an act. Do it with, Lord, thank you for the privilege of serving your kingdom with the resources that you have blessed me with. Maybe it's an extravagant offering. God lays on your heart. I want you to do something special that you would do it not with, oh, but man, I'm so excited to be able to do this. God wants us to live that way. Now, I, I want to do something right now. Are my teams, you guys ready? All right. Right now, we're going to do something that none of you have ever seen happen in a church. Some of you have been here. You have seen this before. Everybody is going to get $50 right now. We're going to give everybody in this room $50. If you're a youth here, you're going to get $20. Anybody that's under eight, 18 is going to get $20. So some of you might have to get their, check their license to see what age they are. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those kids are already upset they're not getting that extra 30. I'm telling you, right? <laughs> Everybody's going to get $50. So I want everybody to get that $50. Let me have one of those in my hand. Thank you. Get another one from Hal there. I want to thank I want to thank the generosity of this church that enables this moment to happen. The only reason we can do this is because of your generosity and the way we manage the resources that we have. We have the opportunity to do what I think is a significant thing for our church and a th significant thing for you. While you're getting that, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. 
He's inviting them in that moment to say, hey, I'm the God of all creation, and when I invite you to do something, I'm going to take care of it. Serve me. Is anybody missing out on their $50? Can I get $100 from anybody? $100, $200, $200. (laughs) All right. I want you to look at this $50. This $50 is seed. How many of you know how seed works, right? What do you do with seed? You plant it somewhere, and then eventually whatever you planted is going to grow and provide more resource out of that seed. Like if you planted a tomato seed, you're going to put that tomato seed in there. We got to put a, put a lemon tree in our house and, you know, had to take care of it for a couple of years before it started giving us fruit. But now it's got more fruit than I know what to do with. Why? Because that's the nature of it. The nature of seed is it's designed, if done according to God's purposes, if it's done right, it's designed to, to manifest itself in fruit. So this $50 is not for you. Like you can't spend this money on yourself. Or, or your dog, <laughs> or anything associated with you, right? So I'm like, oh, no problem, you know. Got a, I got a way around that. This $50 is not for you to use for yourself. As a matter of fact, it's used for you to be a seed of generosity towards somebody else. And what I want you to do is I want you to pray about how you're supposed to give this $50 away to somebody else to bless them. It's a seed. What is this? It's a, it's a seed. You're planting it somewhere. And so where you plant matters. You can't just go, oh, you know, I'm just going to give. I, I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about it. I want you to meditate about it. I want you to ask, Lord, where do you want me to plant this seed? Because I want you to plant it in good soil. And simply good soil would mean where God wants you to plant it. Okay, so that means some of you go, I don't even know how to pray. Just try it. Maybe God will give you some new inspiration. Try it. Just invite God. Say, help me, Lord, know what to do with this $50, and I want you to give this away. Now, some of you, $50 isn't enough for you to give away. It needs friends. <laughs> right? And for some of you, this is the seed that's going to get you to give the seed that you're going to use to bless others. Now, here's another rule. You cannot give it back to the church. Everybody... Is everybody can follow that? Can, can everybody follow that? I, I, last time I did this, people were like, oh, I just want to give it back to the church. We, we don't want you to give it back to the church. We, we want you, not this $50. Maybe you have another 50 you should give to the church. <laughs> it's just not this 50 If you follow with what I'm saying, you cannot use this 50 and give it back to the church. You have to take this 50 and you have to sew it somewhere that the Lord is inviting you to sow it. And I want you to pray over it. I want you to say, Lord, I'm doing this in accordance with you because God is providing you seed for the sower. As a church, we're going, okay, here's some seed. Some of you struggle giving. Some of you are challenged in giving. Some of you don't see the fruitfulness and you struggle with it. Today, I want you to take the seed and I want you to let this be the beginning of a brighter future for you, of you honoring God with giving and being generous and let God begin to create the understanding of honoring God with your resources and being benevolent and generous. And my belief is that it's going to change the context of the way that you view money, and you'll, when money gets into your hand, it'll only have one spirit on it. It'll have the spirit of God on it. That at any minute God says, I need that, you'll go, where do you want me to give it? Because the spirit of mammon will say, you better hold that. Where the spirit of God says, always let it just sit on there, so at any time, I'm asking, you're ready. All right, take your 50. Let's hold it up. 
Lord, I pray for every one of these individuals that is holding this money within their hand. We thank you, God, that you are a generous God. And Lord, generosity surely doesn't begin with money and doesn't end with money. It begins with Jesus Christ and the love that he provided. The sacrifice of his grace to us that he died for our sins so that we could be born again. So that we could be saved from the penalty of sin and separation from you. And for that we're grateful, God, that you you are worthy of praise, Lord. You're worthy, Lord, of our, our heart that is surrendered completely to you. And we give you praise for that. And Lord, this $50 can represent our heart of love and honor to you in sowing seeds into the lives of others. And I pray that today, Lord, as we leave this place, that we won't, with whimsicalness, just take this 50 and just find some place to dump it, but we'll pray and contemplate and meditate and say, God, what do you want me to do with it? And for some of us, Lord, what do you want me to add to it? It's significant for me to be a blessing to somebody else. Lord, we give you praise that you take this seed, and as we plant it into the soil where you ask that it produces a harvest, not because we're selfish and want more, but because we want to be more blessed and being able to give and support and and care for others with a generous spirit. And we give you thanks for that, and we commit with our heart to you, Lord, to do that in the name of Jesus. And everybody in agreement said, Amen. amen. All right, I'm closing with this. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know the only reason we do what we do, the only reason we talk about this stuff is because Jesus loves us so much. He cares about us so much, he gave himself for us. Maybe you need Jesus as the Lord of your life, and you need to give your heart to Jesus today. I want to invite you to pray a prayer of surrender and salvation. Um, I want you to get, commit your heart to the Lord right now. Maybe that's you. You need Jesus in your heart. <laughs> you go, well, this is a weird sermon to get people to Jesus. No, every sermon about giving is about the first gift. For God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is an outflow of what God did for us in Jesus. And maybe you need to receive that first gift, Jesus, in your life now. If that's you, would you pray this prayer? We're going to join together with you. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins so that I could be saved. I give you my life. And I choose to serve you today with all of my heart. Fill me with your love and your peace. And lead me in the path of truth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.